gentlemen, boys and girls, this is your boy Highlight Real, aka the Prince of Botch. Welcome to another edition of the Life's of Botch podcast. Your boy coming through yet again with another dope guest in the house. Man, I cannot wait for you guys to check out this episode and make sure if you haven't checked out previous episodes before this, trust me, man, I've been grinding. I've been your boy been grinding. He he's been lining up a lot of dope episodes for you guys. So if you're a new listener, make sure you pause, you know, because I like it likes to show the recent episodes. So make sure you pause this one, check out some of the previous ones, and then you know, come back to this one so you can be all caught up with us, you know. And uh if you're a returning listener, hey, welcome to the show. You already know what time it is. Uh, but since there's no wrestling news for your boy to talk about in this moment right now, you already know we all quarantined and all that good stuff. So your boy just here to kind of, you know, bring guests to the show, let you guys get to know him. And uh, y'all already know me, so I'm just here to host. <laughs> but nonetheless, I have a really, really dope guest from the wonderful, beautiful city, the Steel City, you know what they call it, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, PA in the house. And uh, man, this man is... A man of many, 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 many phrases, many, many things. Uh, most notably, currently, uh, a an associate with Wrestling Inc. And, of course, wrestling fans, you already know Wrestling Inc. and the many, many great things that they do in the wrestling circuit. So, without further ado, allow me to introduce a really, really special guest by the name of Justin Labar. Justin Labar, how you doing? Good, sir. I'm doing well, man. Just, uh... Hanging in there with the rest of the world during those crazy times, but uh, you know, got my I got my health, uh, so can't really complain, right? Oh yeah, you know, health is always the number one important thing. So, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, by all means, make sure you're staying home because safety is always first. Uh, how 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 have you been in this time of quarantine uh, currently? You know, what what's been going on for you? I'm all right, you know, just holding up with the family. Um, you know, Pittsburgh luckily is doing pretty good, all things considered, for the size of the city in terms of the, you know, the doctors are saying that we haven't hit the surge they were expecting. You know, the social distancing is working here, which is uh, good. Obviously, no, you know, obviously we're a long ways away from this ever being over, it seems. But, uh, you know, everybody's doing their part here. Everybody's uh, here at my house, happy, healthy. And uh, it's actually, and I've, I've done a little bit more with Wrestling Inc. in the last couple of weeks just because I had the time to give. So I've, I found myself getting a few more, uh, text from them saying, "Hey, will you jump on to do this podcast? We do this one tonight." And and you know, <laughs> I don't have I don't have the excuse to say no. I got to run somewhere. So, you know, it's uh, you know, uh, so I've been doing a little bit more of that, which is fun because I you know I normally when when I'm normal when things are normal, I'm I'm running between the the hustle of pro wrestling and then uh, I, I run a high school sports network, um, here in Western P Pennsylvania. So that keeps me busy, but with the, with awesome. the school suspended, I'm you know, I'm kind of just, you know, that's not a factor right now. Unfortunately, I wish it was cause it's, it's trickled down and affected a lot of people, but yeah, just, uh, following this crazy wrestling journey right now. And, and, and it's, <laughs> this is, this is no, nothing like, nothing like anybody's ever seen. Oh yeah, totally, man. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how it just, it's all nationwide worldwide, how everything is, just being handled so differently everywhere we go. And yeah, man, nothing, nothing like this quarantine to expose, uh, you know, busy bodies, you know, when we're busy and it's like, Oh man, now we got more time to do the things we probably couldn't do. When we were running around. So that's always a, you know, a plus side. It's not all bad. Especially, I guess. Yeah. Especially this time of year. Like, I mean, my wife was laughing, like my, you know, my wife and I, we've been, it's been a 
10 years and she's never seen me around this time because I'm always going for WrestleMania. And then right after WrestleMania, the independent wrestling company that I work heavily with, we have a giant show in mid April um, where we end up, you know, we bring in, I mean, we've had, I mean, anybody, anybody you can think of, we've had, you know, Nash, Flair, Bret Hart, the Hardys, uh, every, every major, basically every major name you could think of, except for Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin, we've had them. And that's, and that's a giant undertaking. And in terms of getting all these people flown in, getting all of them where they need to be. So it's like, Mm-hmm. Normally from, you know, the road to WrestleMania literally is like just so much in terms of coverage and, and, and doing doing the wrestling, you know, gig. There's so much going on. And then even through into April. So it's just it's weird. Yeah. For me as a busybody to be sitting still. Uh, it's just it's, it's, it's odd. <laughs> I'm telling now tell me, uh, especially because in, in the years, uh, the 36 manias that we've had. I mean, this is definitely was a mania that was. uh both forgettable and unforgettable at the same time and in, in, in two different kind of ways, you know, with given this, the current situation, because of course you commend WWE for going through and, you know, the show must go on kind of deal and, and making it, you know, a two part series and all that. What, what were some of your thoughts? Like, how were you feeling as a man who was always so busy around that time? How did it feel, you know, to actually like be at home and be with the family and actually watch a mania that for the first time in, ever of manias had like no audience no no events no accesses none of that like how did that feel for you well i mean it's a it's a it's a it's a revenue loss in the first place i mean right mania weekend's a huge weekend for me in terms of um all the things going on not just you know okay you know wrestling nick would like you to podcast about this and pay what not, not even just the standard stuff but like you know friday night the the you know mania weekend friday you know friday happy hour i should say you know we had a mm-hmm. a big a big party plan and we had you know it was myself and the wrestling inc guys including uh former star matt morgan and, and we were just getting ready to announce it literally um we were ready to announce it uh, and then everything started you know we started seeing the, the writing on the wall that things were being shut down mm-hmm. you know matt hardy was going to make a, a surprise appearance and we were going to add him as a bonus and then um you know, Sunday I had the I had the tailgate. I've been doing a tailgate the last couple of years with this great group that that that's based out of New York City that does tailgates. And you know, I mean, there's just so many. There's so many. You know, the Kevin Nash party. We've been doing a party with Kevin Nash since Atlanta Mania 27 weekend. We've done a shenanigans party every year. And obviously, that got pooled. So like, it, it, it it's just such a trickle down. So I mean, from a money standpoint, there's a loss. And then it's like, I mean, of course you love being with family, but I mean. Okay, if I'm going to be home watching WrestleMania, I want to watch WrestleMania. That that was WrestleMania with an asterisk, and that's obviously WWE did their best. They were trying to put on this show. You know, there's a lot of a lot of debate, and I was certainly behind a lot of it that maybe they should just have postponed Mania until a later time. But I also see how difficult that would be because it's like if you postpone WrestleMania, you don't know when you can postpone it to. Um, yes. You know, so there's that, and then it's like if you postpone Mania, what do you do with the programming in between now and then? Because uh, yeah, again, I've been advocating on off season and maybe some time off, but mm-hmm. then it seems there's probably some there's probably some X's and O's about Vince potentially losing money if he doesn't have a, a if he doesn't have live weekly TV coming. And right now, the fact that he just lost upwards of twenty million dollars easily not having WrestleMania the way it should have been that weekend, uh, he definitely cannot afford to lose. Um, the, the the quarter of a billion that Fox has given him for this year, he can't afford to lose what he's getting from USA uh, because right now he needs that money. It's I mean that's I think that's connected as to why he ceased the XFL because he had used so much personal money that he sold off stock to fund the XFL. Well, now he's since given that money back to WWE because he realizes they need that liquid, they need that money. So, 
uh, it's just it's just it's a trickle down effect all the way from the billionaire of him all the way down to just the the just just to just to the, my level. It's um you know so I mean I watched Mania. It was what it was. Mm-hmm. Um you know like I said it's always gonna have an asterisk next to it. Uh, I just I just want the guys and girls and the crew, the people that I you know I mean I I, I the, some of the people that I know I just want all of them to stay safe. I just feel bad because they're out there they're out there risking themselves uh and and their families and they're traveling and and, yeah. and it's just that's it's just scary. Yeah, it is scary to, uh, you know, think about because it's like part of you commends it, but then a lot of, you know, another half of you, you know, the humanized side, of course, like looks at it, you know, both as a fan and just, you know, a human being. You're like, man, you know, that it's, it, if something like this can't, you know, keep you from performing, like what what can, you know, like because that's that, you know, safety is always first, man. And, and we know, you know, pro wrestlers definitely don't have like their own healthcare situation so god forbid something happens it's 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 you know if they're not covered it's it's, it's almost hard to try to recover from that so well and plus i mean even, even without healthcare being covered i mean i mean they, they all make a decent living so i mean even i mean even if they have the money to take care of themselves like if you got hurt right now filming a wrestlemania or film or doing one of these raw nxt or smackdowns mm-hmm. a hospital is the last place you want to be right now <laughs> yeah you're right about that yeah and, and and that's why it's 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 crazy to think about man and, and i really do uh i was listening to you guys uh chop it up on one of the review shows and 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 i believe even a little bit last night we're you know emphasizing some more about it about just the idea of like taking a time like this to create a possible off season you know and and just being like hey you know uh go on a hiatus for you know a few you know like a month or two you know Money in the Bank share, like, next big pay-per-view. Take some time off, build up for that, and and let the anticipation kind of come. And then, you know, just come back even harder and stronger in the next go-round. Like, you know, that that I thought that was a phenomenal idea that you guys were talking about because it seems like now more than ever, WWE, uh, you know, I guess we could say AEW, but we know they don't really necessarily have the same travel schedule as WWE right now. So more so WWE definitely needs, like, an off-season just to kind of – you know, make their fans miss them that much more and be excited for what's coming on the second half of things. Yeah, and it doesn't look like we're going to get that. And uh, it started developing last night, and we ran into it this morning. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, they're going to start now. WWE's determined now to do Raw, NXT, and SmackDown live. If they want to do it live, they want to go back to being live um, from the PC. And that's that's huge because, you know, AEW did a bulk of tapings, and they're, and they're pretty much got all their stuff in the can until – uh, early to mid-May, but we the way we understand it, so they can now go home and sit and just wait. Um, WWE yeah. is is looking to have, I mean, it's still stripped down. It's nowhere near the amount of people that it would be if they were at an arena, mm-hmm. but they're still they're still planning to do, do live Raw Raw SmackDown and NXT <laughs> every week, and that's wow. just, you know, that's 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 a huge risk. That's a huge risk. It is, man, and and I just want to say both as a fan and as someone uh, now in the media side of things with this, like I really hope that. You know, every all the talent stay safe because, uh, you know, it was strange even last night watching SmackDown and seeing The Miz and, you know, seeing Dana Brooke and, and seeing the people where it was like reports were saying like, yeah, if Vinny Superstar was sick, you know, they weren't coming. But then you don't see Roman. So you're like, well, OK, something's still going on because I know Roman pulled out of Mania and we haven't really seen him since. So I'm like, well, if everybody's starting to pour in all of a sudden, then, you know, where's yeah, where's Roman at? Is he still going to just kind of sit and wait for this thing to completely clear? Or have you heard anything about that? Or is it, what's what's the deal with that? I haven't heard for sure, but I, I would be shocked if we see him anytime soon. I, I just don't think, 
you know, it's one thing that you're already kind of putting everybody at risk doing these shows, but when Roman Reigns is Roman, when excuse me, when Roman Reigns' past health condition has been such a public thing, uh, and, he, and he's already beat leukemia twice, I, I, you don't want to put somebody who's been that compromised, who's got a family, you don't, it's just not worth it. It's just not. So, you know, just let them stay home. You know, you don't obviously. Um, Obviously, he's not the next challenger they're lining up to get that title from Braun, as as we saw on Friday Night SmackDown. So, like, there's, you don't you don't need to, you don't need it. You don't need Roman. Let him stay home until, I mean, I, you know, I say let him stay home until this clears, and we have no idea when this is going to clear. I hate to think that we're six months from now, we're still in the same damn situation. But like, for at least for the right now, until we get a better handle on things and what the situation is, especially down in Florida where Roman lives and where they uh, where they film, uh, just just keep him home. Yeah, totally. So. so... Real quick, just to keep it on the WWE subject for a moment before we talk a little bit more about yourself. What, as far as uh, with Strowman and him being champion, and and we did see like the ties towards the end of the show where they're kind of linking, like, because it makes sense, you know, Braun's part of the story of Bray Wyatt as well, so it makes sense to incorporate him in there, being a, a you know someone he brought up in the Wyatt family. Uh, now, just given being that it's his first kind of official feud, it looks like. Do you really think they would, given how his IC title run kind of went, do you think they would put the title back on Bray or keep it on Braun for a while until things are out of norm and put it back on Roman? Like, how do you, how do you personally think that would go? As a fan, I'm torn because I, I'm, I think the Fiend's been a captivating character, the dynamic of the Fiend and Bray Wyatt. But I've been a, you know, anybody who's followed me at all knows I've been, I've been. Uh, choo-choo in the Braun Strowman train for a lot of years now. So, um, <laughs> you know, it took, you know, like I said, it took three and a half years in a pandemic to get the man of the world title and it shouldn't have done, it shouldn't have took this long, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I, if I had, if you, if you made me, you know, if you made me put some money on it, made, made me bet some of my reputation, I, I would, I could see them getting the title back on the fiend simply on the thoughts of Braun getting the world title, obviously, as I just said, it just came down to a lot of other factors. It came down to just it came down to just a, a last minute audible. We need to find somebody who's top tier enough that we could have go in there and be Goldberg. So yeah. Braun was it. But you know, up prior to that, they had no plans recently. I mean, Braun was just kind of floating around doing random mid card stuff. And then the Fiend, you know, mm-hmm. I think the idea was okay, let's get the title off the Fiend onto Goldberg. Goldberg was popping a rating. Uh, this mm-hmm. this could be a this could be a huge marquee for the stadium of having Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. So let's get it off the fiend. They still try to protect the fiend, had them stand strong and such. But mm-hmm. I, I just think that, you know, I don't, I don't know if the fiend losing prior to Mania was the long-term plan. I think part of it might have just been, they, you know, they saw some, they saw some, some, some pop in, in numbers with with Goldberg, and they saw some interest with him. And I think, you know, I just basically I could see them putting it back on the fiend because that gets them back to where they kind of were in the first place. And and and, you know, that's, and then it just becomes a matter of okay, how do they do that? And once again, not. Let's not damage Braun. You know, we've seen Braun lose to Brock Lesnar enough times, um, but losing to Brock Lesnar, especially after Braun would still kick out of some stuff, uh, you yeah. still protect. You're still protected. You still look pretty strong. So, what do you got to do if you're gonna if you're gonna put that title back on the Fiend? Uh, they got to do it in a way that uh, you know doesn't completely damage Braun. Man, I totally agree. Because um, that that's you talk about rocking a hard place. I, I literally when I saw that, I was like, storyline makes sense, but then how do you? keep one from looking weak and one from looking strong. So it's like, it's, it's a, it's a definite 50, 50 chance of things, but I, I, I agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised if the fiend found his way, you know, you know, getting that title back. And, and then I guess maybe it reverts Braun back to some older form of himself, maybe or something where they'll make him still look strong. 
there's no telling. You know, WWE always finds a way to do something. So uh, that's definitely interesting. But in a good transition, uh, let's talk more about yourself, uh, Mr. Labar. Let's, let's talk about your journey into professional wrestling. I mean, like, how long? I mean, I can tell uh, from looking at your page, man, and, and just looking at some of your pictures on Instagram, I can tell, man, you're one of those that go way, way back with ties and pro wrestling, man. So so tell the people, uh, especially those who are listening who probably don't know about yourself, don't know about Wrestling Inc. or anything like that, what 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 is it about yourself that got you into the pro wrestling world? Oh, I was just I was in love with the characters, man, larger than life. And um, you know, my when I was when I mean you know, when I was three, four years old, my mom, she was a young mom and she had me. Um, so, you know, she, she was a young mom and she immediately was, you know, off out working shift work for her job, a job that she's still at, um, 30 years later, she's getting ready to retire from. And, you know, but, but I mean, you know, she's, she's like a, you know, nineteen twenty you know, she's a 20, 21 year old mom who's, you know, got to work shift work. So she needs to get her sleep and, uh, and, 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 you know, wrestling kind of became like the babysitter, you know, she could put on wrestling and I, I just was enamored by it. I put, I load the VCR up with whatever VHS tapes I could find of it, and I had the wrestling action figures. So I was just in love with it as, as a kid at, a, at an extremely young age. You know, like I said, three, four years old. Uh, I actually just recently found uh, online the 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 card, the matchup card from the U.S. Air Arena in Landover, Maryland, of the very first wrestling I ever went to in uh, February of '92. I think it's first live show. Um, so you know, I was, I was a fan as a kid, and then as as as, as I was getting a little older. Um, my grandfather started as wrestling was starting to really boom through the mid end from the mid to late nineties as wrestling was really booming. And you saw, you started having more, uh, they call them spot shows. Spot shows were popping up and it was just independent shows. Um, you know, in Maryland specifically where I was growing up and my grandfather started, he, he already was very good friends. One of his best friends was on the Maryland state athletic commission. And still at the time with these shows, they were governed by, um, the, these shows were governed still by the athletic commission. So, you know, you, you, they just, they had to have a commission person there. There were certain protocols they had to go through. And so my grandfather started getting involved with it a little bit, just kind of as like a, uh, kind of like a helping hand, you know, his, his one buddy's on the commission another buddy of his was starting to be an actual promoter running some of these shows. So, um, you know, my grandfather, Jim, he would just be doing things like, uh, you know, all right, Hey, can you go pick up this wrestler at the at BWI airport? And we got to get him to the hotel and then get him to the, to the venue. And then, so he was just doing things to help out his buddies. It was just something fun on the weekends. And so he started taking me along. He knew I was a wrestling fan and I was like, you know, I was, I mean, at this point I'm probably, uh, we start doing that maybe eight, nine years old. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so all of a sudden here I am, this little eight, nine year old kid riding in his, in his, in his grandfather's Oldsmobile to go pick up George the Animal Steel and Greg the Animal Valentine and, um, Duke the Dumpster Drosy and like all these guys that were like just just off of WWE or WCW and they were just you know able to work the independent scene or 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 emerging guys. Uh, I met I can remember being um, 10 11 years old meeting the 19 year old Matt and Jeff Hardy. Uh, <laughs> o o only to come only to come that that 20 years later I'd be working with them in an even more regular capacity, which is wild and we've talked about and you know and I met. I met the Headbangers, so they were just starting out, but just before they got signed by the WWE, and uh, a lot of ECW guys I met real early on as they were just breaking in, because they were, you know, they were able to do ECW plus, mm -hmm. plus do other independent shows. So you know, a lot of them being Philly or Baltimore based or New York based, coming down to Maryland to do a show was real easy. So, you know, you can imagine being a kid, you seeing that, seeing, you know, George Animal Steel, he's this crazy guy on screen, but then, but then when you, you know, when I meet the real guy 
uh, who his name is Jim, and he all and he was a physical education teacher. And my mm-hmm. grandfather, my grandfather Jim's day job is a principal. So you see, you see that you see your grandfather just talking to another um, older gentleman, just talking about the the education system, and you're like, that's George Animal Steel, but he doesn't sound like George Animal Steel. You know, <laughs> at, at at eight, nine, ten years old, you start seeing that peek behind the curtain, and that just made me even more fascinated because it was like, yeah. you, you you learn, okay, there's a there's a there's a very much a business behind this, you know, and and you know, you're at that age, you don't know all the X's and O's of what that means that there's a business, but you just know that this is this is more than what you see on TV, you you know, and so. Yeah. Um, I fell in love even more with just the, I guess the business itself as I come to figure out. And, uh, I, I never, I never, ever, you know, I, I always stayed a fan, you know, obviously as I was going through my high school years, you know, I, I'd, I'd sacrifice missing a raw or two if it, if it meant, uh, you know, uh, hanging out with the girlfriend at the time or, you know, normal things as you're, as you're growing up, you know, I certainly, yeah. um, but I never, I never, I never was one of these people that like took like a year off and then came back to it. I was always, I, I always, uh, pay per view to pay per view. I was always checked in. I could always tell you what yeah. was happening. Put it that way. And <laughs> you know, I stuck with it and um, went to college, moved to Pittsburgh, went to college, got my degree in television and radio. And while I was in college, um, through uh, through uh, networking and just a little stroke of luck, I ended up meeting uh, some people who worked for WWE behind the scenes. And I got a in the I think it was summer of '07. Uh, got a got an opportunity in that time frame, oh six oh seven, to get to see behind the scenes a little bit of WWE. And yeah, this, these particular people were very uh, key in production and such of WWE. And so I got a chance to, you know, I can remember one particular they um, they were doing uh, Armageddon, the pay per view in December in in Pittsburgh. And so I got to go up to it was a Mellon Arena at the time and get there in the middle of the day as they're setting up and got a tour of everything you can imagine how what what behind the scenes that WWE looks like so you know basically everything except for Vince's office and, and and the production meeting I got a chance to go through and just kind of see all that and so now it's eight-year-old me living it all over again and now it's at the, the highest of levels and now I have a little bit more of a you know my mind is I'm, I'm finishing up a degree to get in the media and I'm just like I, I gotta do this this is just so captivating so you know I got through college um yeah, WrestleZone at the time was looking for WrestleZone.com at the time was looking for somebody to start doing some content, but had a but had video and and and, and some uh, kind of television skills, which I I, I had and um, got involved with them. That evolved and created a, a video show called Chair Shot Reality, which in 2010 at that time there wasn't as many video shows as there is you know there wasn't as much podcasting as there is now. Yes. A decade later, so started doing that. That you know that that starts snowballing. You start meeting people off of that. Um, you know, then I started work. I think 2012 started working for Bleach Report. Bleach Report brought me on. All the while, all the while, I'm doing, I'm starting to do audio, you know, radio shows here in Pittsburgh. Um, then started working in the independent scene, based out of Ohio. So that, so I was working for a company from 2011 until 2013. I worked for PWO Wrestling, which was Johnny Gargano's organization. It, we filmed a lot of the. We filmed some stuff at Gargano's Pizzeria in the back lot. It was Johnny's <laughs> family involved in it. Um, yeah. Johnny very much so was deservingly. He was kind of like the Shawn Michaels of the promotion. We were on television in Ohio. That was also on DirecTV. So that was, you know, uh, you know, I, m- my first big marquee match was a, a main event match on iPay-Per-View at the Jacobs Pavilion in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It was myself and my bodyguard, Kevin Nash. <laughs> uh, and, and, another, and another guy, Aaron Draven, up against a guy named Marion Fontaine and, and another fellow named Brody Lee. 
Nice. So, you know, like, it just, you know, I met so many people. I learned. So now it's like I'm, I'm doing these videos. Now I'm writing columns, you know, working for major wrestling sites. And then, you know, I'm doing, you know, doing podcasting. But I'm also now working as a, you know, as a bad guy manager and working behind the scenes as a producer, um, learning what, you know, like I said, that PWO was on on television. So learning what it means to format, you know, again, I now I'm seeing what a format of a wrestling show looks like on paper. How do you format it for TV? How do you how do you do the pre-tapes? So started learning that, um, you know, WrestleZone eventually the parent company, I think, got bought out. It sounds like they were robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um uh-huh. So, you know, that ended a couple years ago. I uh, was very happy to jump on with Wrestling Inc. Uh, Raj Geary, who owns Wrestling Inc. Even when I was at WrestleZone, I, you know, I, I, you know if, I, if I came across Raj, we were always friendly. I always thought he did a good job. I thought he was a good, a good guy in this business that's filled with characters and uh, happy to come on with him. And that's been a great relationship since. And I love doing their podcasts. And uh, uh, I got out. I don't do much of the indies anymore in Cleveland. I kind of moved after about 2013. I kind of moved it more here locally to Pittsburgh. And there's a great promotion here called the International Wrestling Cartel, so IWC. Yes. And they've, they've been around since, uh, they to put this in perspective, they've been around since 01. So once Vince bought up WCW and ECW, mm-hmm. uh, IWC was one of the first, I mean, they've been around. So they they, they, they were at a time where you need, where guys needed promotions to work for. Granted, it was mm-hmm. never on TV, but IWC was one of those ones. And IWC, you can go back in the archives, mm-hmm. and I mean, you got CM Punk, you got Cesaro, you have... Literally, almost anybody you can. Daniel Bryan. I mean, anybody that, anybody that that was wrestling at that time in the early 2000s who was not yet with WWE, they probably came through IWC. And you know, I mean, there's a, there's a great. You know, when Matt Hardy took that stint where he was fired from WWE during the whole Edge Lita controversy in the 05 era, Matt was off for like four or five months. In that four or five months, there's the Matt Hardy versus AJ Styles in 2005 match at IWC Wrestling. I mean, there there are some gems in the archive, and we have our uh, training school here in Pittsburgh. It's the school. It's the school that uh, produced Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, it's a school that was uh, coached and ran for a while by uh, Joaquin Wild, who was formerly mm-hmm. BJZ. Uh, yes. Eli- Elias came out of here a couple years ago. So I mean, it's right. just. I mean, I, I've gotten the privilege just to work with. You know, I managed Wardlow for three years here. I mean, yes. <laughs> it's God. just. I, I yeah. I mean, I, I I can go on and on, but it's just it's it's yes. such a. You know, we, 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 whenever Tommy Dreamer wanted to come to Pittsburgh, we would team a Dreamer and do, and do a, a House of Hardcore joint venture with him here. Uh, so I got my ass kicked by the Sandman, and he dumped beer. <laughs> he, he beat me with a Singapore cane and dumped beer down my pants. And, uh, you know, I, I fought Tommy Dreamer, and he's beat me up with a prosthetic leg. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, it, you know I, the experiences, and that's really what it comes down to, is like, you know, I, I just have an opinion. It ain't, it's... It's just an opinion. It's 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 not any better than yours or anybody else. The only thing I can say about mine is I can just say, well, I've had the ability to experience and know so many people that it, it, it I hope it allows me to try to look at things when I'm being the quote unquote analyst. Yes. Uh, it allows me to look at things as as with as as much intelligence as much experience as possible and try to relate and figure out what's going on and why it's happening. Yes, yes, and 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 man, it is just even in listening to your resume and the things that you have done and still do even now as, as, as a hard worker in pro wrestling, it's just, it's humbling, man, because you're so humble with your accomplishments, man. Like it's not even a a brag or boast kind of deal. Like it's, it's what you love. It's, it's, it's what you work hard at. It's literally been, it just speaks for itself, man. And it's, that's a lot of impressive names that, 
you know, wrestling fans now are probably just listening like, oh my gosh, like, man, this guy has worked with, with like some of the best names in the world. And it's just like, I, I love to hear that. And well, I appreciate it. And that's, and that's what makes, and that's what makes, and that's what makes everybody better. It's kind of, it's no different in my situation. Just mm-hmm. like when you hear, when you hear two grizzled veterans on like, you know, Stone Cold's podcast talking about it, you know, you, you got to work with better guys to make yourself better. And that's, that's all it is. Like I, I, every time I've learned something, it's because I've gotten the privilege to just sit and listen to, um, you know, even if, even if it's a mat, you know, like, like I said, the heart house of hardcore thing, even if it's a, even if it's a segment that I'm not involved in, if I can just sit there and listen to two other guys who have, you know, two guys who might have worked at WrestleMania, and if I can yeah. sit there and listen to them, uh, pick apart why they're going to do what they're going to do, I mean, that's that's huge. Or, or um, you know, getting, you know, as I mentioned, Matt Hardy, you know, I got I've gotten a chance to work with Matt a lot of times whenever he's not with WWE. I've gotten, you know, we've done, you know, situations where hey, let's let's do a meet and greet, or hey, come to the studio and let's do chair shot reality, or hey, let's do a a loop of shows, let's do IWC here in Pittsburgh, let's go do. Um, let's go do a promotion in Erie. Let's let's do a loop, you know. And I I, I had a loop of where it was a case of uh, Matt Hardy versus whoever he was versus, and it was a situation of where if if Matt won, you know, he he was going to get his hands on me. And with IWC, it had a lot of history because there was a storyline that was a year building, and the fans wanted to see me get my ass kicked because they hate me. So like you know, I get to I get to experience a loop of okay. Tonight, Matt Matt's gonna beat me up for these five minutes, and I'm gonna take this bump and this bump, and then he's gonna do this, and then the next night in Erie, I'm I'm gonna feel a little bit differently with the crowd, depending on what they want here. I mean, so I got to, you know, when you experience the whole thing of doing that loop that you hear about what guys do, and, and you learn you learn to you learn to improv, and you learn to go off of, you know, you 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 would always hear that as a fan, but you never mm-hmm. quite knew what that you never you never quite knew what that meant, and then when you experience it, you're like, oh, now I get it, now I understand what it means to, like listen to them and they're going to tell you where to go. You start to feel that. Um, and, and, and that's a very, very, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, a couple minutes uh, of a post-match thing of getting beat up and doing a, a, a gimmick stipulation of, 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 of getting, you know, I, I can't imagine what it feels like to be able to adapt to that, to be able to put on a 25 minute classic every night. I've never had that experience. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, my experience is just a, a small sliver in this grand scheme, mm-hmm. but it's been a great one. And I'm so fortunate to every, ever every person who's ever, interviewed with me every person who's ever agreed to do something related in the ring with me uh, I'm, I'm grateful for because i've learned and, and they and they've, they've they've given their time or trust or both into me and i it's i appreciate it because you're only as good as whoever you're working with hey and i, I can attest to that as uh someone new new to this myself man as, as i get to interview someone like you and and i had the pleasure of like talking with nick hausman uh some yeah. episodes back i mean just just really branching out man and um you know even even yesterday um you know literally uh setting up interviews and talking with others you know indie promoters and just different people who have been really working and seeing what they've been doing at a young age and accomplishing it's just been That's awesome. amazing yeah. yeah and it's branch, like branch out as many people as you can get in that phone book yeah. As many people as you got, the deeper you can make that contact list, man. It just, it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's so good for this business to learn and be able to just pick, pick, pick the brain of people that have all kinds of different experiences. And everybody has a unique story of how they got into this. Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot. I've heard some uh, pretty unique stories so far, which is why I like to kick the show off a lot of times with that because the story is always the most important part because. My times uh, being in college, I would always listen to anytime they had guest speakers on campus. I would always think about, okay. We see the accomplishments now, but the stories always intrigue me of how they got to those accomplishments first, because the story is what motivates you because you, your story won't be the same as that person. But when you look at what your story is currently writing, you're like, okay, 
wow. So as you continue to just hit every milestone in your life, you're like, man, that's just another notch on the story. And I'm still working. I'm still getting to where I got to get. And then when you realize without realizing how much you've accomplished, you're like, man, I could stop the story here if I wanted, but I'm still so focused and I'm still working that when, when I am done, this, this story is going to be something inspiring just for the next person coming up. So, you know, again, just with listening to what you have done so far, it's, 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 it's mind blowing, man. Um, actually, let's talk some more about your time with IWC and as a performer, man, how, how has that, you know, just even from getting the taste, I mean, being a manager and literally like being the guy that people want to get their hands on, you know, cause we always see that as fans and, it, it, you know, to feel that emotion and know that you got us well enough like that to say, Hey, if I got you to, to say, man, I can't stand this guy and I can't wait till someone just throws him through a table or like you said, just literally like hits him with a kendo stick or prosthetic leg, you know, <laughs> like pour, pour beard down his pants, whatever, yeah. you know, like, how does that feel for you, man? Knowing like when you first entered into that, like I'm going to sign up and do this yeah. and then, and then going through it and just in your mind, because I was interviewing someone the other day and like, they were telling me like stories of like how like stuff like that would be happening in the ring. And then they'll, you know, be a side manager and like the person getting beat up will come over there and just say random stuff. Like just, Oh man, I could really use a burger right now. And you're just cracking <laughs> up because you're like, yeah. yo, you're getting beat up right now, and you're really thinking that. Uh, <laughs> with your experience, I mean, what what have some of the thoughts in your mind been when someone like someone iconic like Sandman has a kendo stick and he's like beating you down? And Lord knows, because I I actually was at an impact taping um, back when they had the A Town beatdown just before this uh, pandemic kind of hit crazily. And I actually still, I was helping out the stage crew on the side because they wanted us to come to the barricade and they were like having us get on TV and literally just, you know, hype up as the crowd. And so after the show, I remember Raven did a guest appearance and he like, he he was beating up some people that were beating up on Tommy Dreamer. And then he like ended up, you know, going back on the rivalry they've had and he pops Dreamer with the kendo stick. And then I noticed it was in like pieces. So at the end of the show, the stage lady literally she's like hey thanks for helping me out here's a souvenir and i still have it sitting in my room like a, a kindle stick like in pieces and i'm like oh i love this right now like i never thought i would have one of these and i i, I treat it like a badge of honor and i look at it but i'm like man imagine getting hit with this thing like this just just holding it is like wow so you taking it like and literally like what's going through your head just like both as a fan and as a person, like, man, what did I sign up for with this? Well, in the moment, I can't say that. I, I mean, I, I've had the situations of where, yeah, you, you're, you, you're, trying to, you're trying to pop each other. You're trying to say some silly stuff and, uh-huh. hey, 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 I'm going to do this when we go to the bar later. Or what, you know. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I, you know, for the most part, at least I can say for me, I mean, I, I don't have too many, like, in the moment thinking as a fan. Like, I definitely will have that moment the next day. If I see the piece of video, I'll go back and look at it and, you kind of, as a fan, have that. Uh, okay, that's a pretty cool moment. But yeah. no, in the moment, I mean, I'm you're in it. You know, at least I am. I'm, I'm present. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be mindful of what, what, what my facial expressions are. What I mean, am I, am I, am I scared? Am I scared? Crapless right now? Am I, am I, am I up? Am I cocky? Like what, what's the situation? Um, and just being aware. You know, I mean, I, you know, yeah. if you, if you go and watch the video, the video of the Sandman starts where I'm backed into a corner, mm-hmm. and he gets ready to start swinging that thing like a baseball bat, and I actually drop to my <laughs> ass and I duck out of the ring i mean and, and so like in the moment i'm just worried about timing because i know he's gonna come at me he's gonna swing that thing and if i don't move i'm getting hit so yeah. i drop to my ass to get roll out of the ring and then i get eventually 
uh, shenanigans outside of the ring, I get rolled back in, and then he proceeds to pound on me with the stick. But um, but but on that first one, like I said, I didn't want him to hit me that first time. I want to be able to drop out of the ring real quick, and and he's coming, he's coming one way or the other. So in the moment, it's yeah, it's it's intimidating because you just see this dude here who you know who you, yeah in the back of your mind you know who this is, you know how much you res- how much you uh, respect physically what he's done, <laughs> and he's coming at you with that stick. And again, if you don't move, he's taking your head off. <laughs> so I mean, in the moment, it's kind of you know it's the same thing I guess for anything else physical. It's it's you know I'm just trying to make sure I'm aware. Yeah. Um, Make sure I, I don't get hurt. Make sure if, if 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 whatever's being done, if I have control, make sure I don't get the other person hurt. Um, so in the moment, it's just, it's being very aware. Uh, things move. It's funny. Things move at times. Sometimes they move extremely slow. Like it feels like it takes forever. But then there's other times where you blink and you're like, man, we just did that whole sec. Like it, where did the time go? It's 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 such a weird thing that uh, yeah. I guess it's adrenaline, you know, in the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a blast. It's um. You know, it's a blast. And I, again, I, I have so much respect. For, you know, again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking bump, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm taking maybe, you know, 15, 20 bumps a year when you boil it down and I'm doing a lot of trash talking and a lot of cheating and wearing white, wearing white loafers, which gets people really <laughs> pissed off. That's, that's one of the biggest things the crowd gets on me is I wear these white loafers, you know, uh-huh. I'm, I'm doing that 15, 20 times a year and, 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 you know, whatever, but I can't imagine. I mean, I just, I, the guys and girls that are taking, 15 to 20 on a single night and they're doing that four or five times a week uh all through the year i mean i just have so much respect for them that's why even if i'm watching even if there's a character or talent that i'm not crazy about just because like it's not connecting with me on tv i try to be i mean i don't want to i don't want to be everything's rainbow and sunshines yeah so i I, you know i'm not trying to like you know i want to i want to i want to give an opinion i want you know i want to say hey i like something i don't like something but i'm also trying to be I, i i i don't i try to never like this guy doesn't because like, everybody deserves a little bit of respect. If they're out there putting their bodies on the line, they deserve something. I might not be a big fan, like like I'm not I'm not huge into Ricochet. Mm-hmm. I just and it's not because the guy's like the guy's a the, the athletic as hell. Well, the things he does is amazing. I just haven't connected yet. You know, I, I just think I always say he he does the things a Hollywood stuntman can do, but up to this point, I feel like he talks like a Hollywood stuntman. I haven't seen any like <laughs> char- I haven't seen any character that grabs me. Yeah. Now that that's me giving an opinion and be and giving uh you know giving an opinion of what I like and don't like, but I would never come out and say this dude doesn't deserve to be there. This dude's not tough, whatever. Because no, okay. if you're out there, you're tough. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I try to walk a fine line of like, you know, you want to give an opinion. People want to hear you say good and bad. They want to hear you disagree with something or, or criticize something. But at the same point, I always try to keep a baseline of like, let's give a certain amount of respect to these people. Because most, most people have no idea. Most people would not be able to handle what these guys and girls do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that perspective because even myself as a fan, as someone who, who watches, you know, I try to give that same respect because uh, even if I haven't taken a bump per se myself, I mean, just from even when I was at the impact, you know, taping and just, you know, helping out and like seeing things and what everybody does and, you know, meeting some of the local indies who are like helping out and just watching like those type of things, you know, keep you humble and keep you respectful of what everybody does. And I've always been respectful. I mean, even with, you know, uh, a casual fan, quote unquote, who's like, oh, yeah, I used to watch uh, Back in the Stone Cold and The Rock, you know, those were my men's, you know, this and that and and Attitude Era, you know, glory days, as they call it, uh, you know, when people were casual fans and, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, I can't get into it no more, man. I grew out of it or 
or just some people who are like, oh man, you watch that uh that uh we say f word because we don't really call it that on right, the Life right. Sabash podcast. Yep. You know, we do not. We take it very seriously with that f word. But when they try to say that, I, I I've been educating a lot of people with it, and 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 even with this show. I mean, there are people who have literally come off air to me and just like, man you really make me want to like learn more about wrestling with this show. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what made me start it. You know, that's why I call it life's a botch, man, to let people know like, Hey, it, it, you know, we all mess up and all of these things, but it's also to tell you about life in the ring and outside of the ring, man. You know, we, we're all people, we all performers, we do what we do. You know, no one's going to call a, uh, you know, I, I do music. No one's going to call a, a artist what he does fake on stage, you know, because of a persona that he puts on the stage and then, when he's living his everyday life, that's not who he really is, you know? So it's like, you, you have to appreciate what you see and, you know, you, you, you only learn that through respect and, and really research as well. So uh, again, man, just, just in educating myself and those who listen, it's, it's such a, a great thing to hear your perspective. And I totally agree with you. That's, that's exactly how I feel. Any, any talent that I may not be a quote unquote fan of, it's definitely not me saying, Oh, they don't deserve to be there or, they don't deserve to be in the ring or in this spot. Like everybody deserves where they're at. You know, everybody earns and, you know, they work hard. And so, yeah, you, you definitely, you definitely learn as time goes on, you get more experiences. And, and, and I'll tell you this, you uh, learn, you learn, and you also learn quickly that, that whatever you say on the air, it's there forever. I'll give you a funny story actually. Cause okay. this, this was like, this was, this was kind of a, I think I'd already learned my lesson and knew, but it kind of uh-huh. just, it's just a reminder of like, just remember, <laughs> just remember yeah. the internet, nothing goes away. Yeah. So the very, very early days on, as I said, like around 2010, when chair shot reality, you know, doing a, doing a video podcast every week, uh, you know, talking, uh, t- it was on WrestleZone talking about, you know, WWE and occasionally TNA, but mostly WWE. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, this was, this was 10 years ago. I was, um, I was 21, 22 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just starting out. I, I, I don't even at this point in early 2010, I had not even yet started doing the independent scene stuff. So, uh, I'm just, or I'm, I'm just had my toe in the water. And so, and all I know is, uh, you know, I've seen some things, you know, I've gotten to see some behind the scenes experiences from, you know, from college and from being younger and I'm passionate, but that's all I really know. I'm just really starting to learn. Yeah. Um, and I'm also, you're trying to grab an audience. So, uh, maybe I'm not being as rational as I just said a minute ago, like about Ricochet. Maybe uh-huh. I'm not. Being, maybe I'm not being as rational in, in, in 2010, and I'm just trying to trying to you know tr- trying to uh, say things and sensationalize and get people riled up whether they really like it or really don't. And yeah. I can. And one of the things I can't remember the exact instance, but at that time period, uh, Christian, mm-hmm. Christian, uh, you know, he was uh, he was probably wrestling on SmackDown, and and you know, Christian's you know probably in a, in a regular feature feud and, and you know and christian just didn't do it as a single star for me he just I, I, I didn't connect with it as much and i don't know if it was you know okay it's great when it's edging christian but christian by himself wasn't doing it or whatever yeah. whatever whatever my mind or wrestling fan opinion was at that time mm-hmm. i i don't know but i don't but i don't uh but i'm sure i did mm-hmm. i i apparently you know oh you know i don't i don't like this christian guy why are they pushing christian i, I must have <laughs> said something to that effect okay uh-huh okay and, and again don't even remember what but i believe that i did uh-huh Fast forward, uh, probably let's see what it is. Probably fast forward uh, six, seven years later. I don't know if it was 2016 or 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in New York City for SummerSlam weekend, mm-hmm. and you mentioned Nick Housman. Nick Housman and I are working together for a different company, uh, not Wrestling Inc., but a different company. Uh-huh. And um, and they they would have us do these. They would have us do these special like 
they'd have us do these special wrestling clips where we talk all in video. All th- you know, he'd be in Chicago, I'd be in Pittsburgh, and then whenever we're in the same town, they love to have us do uh, stuff together. Well, they booked right. us to do this thing where he and I would talk SummerSlam, uh-huh. and we were going to do it at the venue where Chris Jericho was just finishing one of his, you know, um, live events, one of his podcast live events. Mm-hmm. And Nick and I, our special guest that we were going to have for this talk was going to be Christian because Christian <laughs> was coming right off of doing the Jericho thing. So like Christian was doing Jericho's thing and then he was hanging around the venue and he was going to do this thing. I think it was for 120 sports uh-huh. with Nick and I, and we were going to talk, you know, Christian a little bit and we we're going to talk summer, basically make SummerSlam predictions. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> Uh, get there, uh, Christian. You know, shakes hands, completely nice. We sit down, everything's cordial. We do, um, we do. Uh, you know, we sit down. You know, we, we're very cordial. Everybody does small talks, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we do the we do the, we do the recording. It, it went fine. Mm-hmm. And then we get done recording. So now we're not now we're off the air, and they they want us to move over to a different area to do photos. So we finish the recording, and then as we stand up, it's just he and I, and nobody else, nobody else is like really around or can hear us. So we stand up, and he's looking at me. He goes, "So do I still suck?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> and then he just like turns away and walks away, and we're walking over to where we're going to the photos. I'm like, "Oh man," <laughs> you know. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, what you said six or seven years ago starts right. You're like, "Oh, what did I say? Like, what did I say? What did I say?" <laughs> And, you know, we take the photos, and he even says, oh, let's do, like, a five-second pose photo. So we all just start doing the photos, and, and we're having fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if he could read it on my face. I don't know if it was the – I don't know. But he – he we do the photos, and as we all start to shake hands, get ready to say our goodbyes, he, you know, he shakes my hand. He goes, hey, I was just messing with you. It's all good. And, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I just probably laughed it off and said, all right, thanks, and, you know, shook hands. And uh-huh. we went our separate ways. Had a fun – like I said, he was nothing but a gentleman and a pro. We had a fun time doing it. But, it, you know, that's just like a little tiny example of like, you know, you get – you get humbled as you go along and you, you learn things and you learn to formulate opinion, but you also learn that like the, the microphone's hot. You never know who's going to be listening at some point or another. <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and again, that's why I love doing what I do, man. You know, this, this sparked me to do this for so long because this was just, you know, stories like that and, and experiences like that, like that is awesome to hear because I always enjoy those type of stories the most because I do try to, Keep my opinion, you know, I watch other podcast shows, you know, like I said, I keep up with you guys on Wrestling Inc. I keep up with uh, JD from NY. So many different wrestling podcasts, uh, Fightful, you know, with uh, Sean Ross Sapp. Actually, JD was there for that Christian experience. Was was he? JD was there. He was, uh, (laughs) I mean, he wasn't on, he wasn't recording with us, but he was there. Um, He he, he was, he was there. And I think he actually heard it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, 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 you know, it's funny because like when I, when I watch this show all the time, I I get, I get, I laugh most times because when I first came across this show, like I just couldn't help but laugh. Like, cause I love his personality with it. But then I, I see like, you know, what he did with Chris Van Vliet and I watched his interview there and how he's just like, yeah, some people don't like, like me at all, you know, some wrestlers block me, some doesn't, you know, I, I, he has opinions that sometimes I agree with, sometimes I disagree with, and, and it's like, with my opinions, I'm, I'm a lot like you, Justin, I try to really just formulate a, a, a respectable op- enough opinion, you know, just in the sense of like, hey, yeah. that person just doesn't do it for me, you know, like, like me, I'm not a big fan of Aleister Black right now, like, like, I'm not gravitated to him as far as like, I get why they push him. You know, I watched him in NXT and I saw, like, I get that he has a, a look, you know, and things of that nature. Like, 
and and I, I definitely respect his in-ring work because he can he can definitely go. Uh, just I guess as a character, to me, I don't relate to him right now, especially with I guess how the main roster has made him kind of look. You know, I, I can't really get into his his character yet, but um, I still you know like respect everything that he does and everything that he you know is is doing currently. You know, the people who have put him over so far. You know, even with like. AJ Styles and, and and recently Bobby Lashley and th- you know all of these different things. So I, I look at it and 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 I totally agree. You know I try to be very respectful in a way where it's like, hey, even if I don't agree with that person yet, if I don't connect with them, that doesn't mean I don't. I think they quote unquote suck or you know you know all these things, man. So suck is such a, a overweighted term in pro wrestling these days. Like. Uh, it's one thing as a fan to say it, you know, but then like when you're on like airwaves and you're like trying to say it, like, you know, you have a different perspective with it. So I, I really enjoy, you know, developing opinion, like from what I, what I hear from you guys and then formulating my own opinion around it. And then, you know, just being at shows myself and just reading, you know, meeting these people as they do what they do. And like, it, it, it's a beautiful thing, man. And, and I love the world of wrestling, you know, it, it's, it's a beautiful community, uh, which I would actually like to ask you about in that question. Like, what are your thoughts on the evolution of the pro wrestling community in general, like present day over the years? Just, you know, because going way back from the times before internet, and I'm sure you experienced this too. I know I did growing up with, with being such a fan of wrestling when the attitude era was like, okay, it was cool, but you were a kid. So you would get in trouble if you, you know, did your crotch chops and your, you know, stone cold middle fingers and those things like that. You got in trouble, but then like, you know, you got in your teenage years and some of your friends and peers probably fell off of it because, you know, when puberty hits, it's like, oh, you know, wrestling ain't cool no more or whatever, but you you still love it because it gravitated to you. And so you still watch it. And then over the years, that's when, you know, you really grow and you really love it. But then like at a time, it was just like, I, I usually make the comparison to anime. Like I tell people, Oh, you know, it's funny how everybody loves anime now all of a sudden, but once upon a time, you were like a nerd if you liked it, and people are like, you watch anime, bro? And it's like, (laughs) that's how wrestling is now. It's like, wrestling was that way at one point, like, man, you watch wrestling, and you were almost ashamed to be like, yeah, I watch wrestling, man, I love it. And and then all of a sudden now, it's like, everybody and their mama watches wrestling and and loves it. And and, and like, when I go, uh, I remember growing up in school, like, I made a lot of friends uh, being, you know, cause I'm a bit of an introvert and an extrovert at the same time. So a lot of my friends I naturally made through wrestling, you know, like we would just talk about it one day and it was just like, Oh man, you love wrestling. And then best friends were formed from that. And, you know, now going to shows, you know, you just, when you, when you dress up as a character or you create your own character, you got a, a replica belt or two on you and you're walking around and people are going, woo, or, you know, you're just doing, random chants, random shouts and all kinds of things, playing wrestlers theme music and jamming to the words. Like it's, it's amazing. Uh, even when I've just gone through the airports and I've like, you know, uh, when I had the pleasure of meeting Adam Cole fresh off of, uh, you know, Royal Rumble in Philly, when they were traveling back the next night, you know, it was, it was so dope to meet him and how humbling he was. And, uh, Uh, you know, it don't get any nicer than him, man. He's, I'm telling you, man, he, he, he was, I'll tell you, uh, my experience is meeting some wrestlers, uh, meeting him, uh, me and Kurt Angle had a, a really amazing talk, uh, one time when I came across him, he was with TNA at the time. And I remember seeing him and I was just like, yeah, that looks like Kurt Angle, but there's no way that is Kurt Angle. We were both like in the same checkout line. And so I, I remember just 
I was like, hey, sir, are you Kurt Angle? He's like, yes, I am. And we just had an amazing talk. And uh, he's actually part of the reason why to this day I, I really pursue this media life with it now because he he was like, man, that's that's awesome. We need you. We need you in this world. You know, he was like, man, keep keep going with it. Like, do it. And, you know, I, I, I love just how humbling he was and talking to him. Uh, Funaki meeting him was 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 amazing. And he, he threw me off with his accent being so great because I was like, expecting what I saw on TV and then I saw him <laughs> speaking perfect English and I'm like, wow, I didn't know your English was that great. Like, it was like, man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts just with the wrestling community and how, how much of a family it is, man, when you just see people and you're like, wow, you, you, this is, this is amazing, you know? Yeah. Well, and real quick from the Adam Cole, for any of your fans that want to see something cool with Adam Cole, if you uh-huh. go to, if you go to YouTube and type Adam Cole, Justin Labar, uh-huh. uh, the top video is going to come up. It's one of my favorite things ever is where he and I are in a studio and I said, let's let's play a game. And I put a whole bunch of like different things in a, in a jar and he pulled them. It was basically he had to, he pulled from the jar uh-huh. uh, a, a classic wrestler. And then like it would be like what he had to cut a promo on. And, like one of the best ones uh-huh. is he, he pulls from the jar. Like, he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's got to cut a promo on a high priced phone bill. And. <laughs> And, and like, there's all kinds of those, but if you, if you, so check it, go, if you want something fun to laugh at like that, he and I had a blast doing that. So if you're uh-huh. for your, for your fans who are, uh, you know, if they're looking for something, um, yeah, I mean, you know, look, it, it wrestling very much as a family, it's, it's so weird as divisive as the, as, I mean, obviously the internet's changed everything, you know, for mm-hmm. as, as divisive as it gets on the internet of like, you're wrong, you're stupid, whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, when you see 80,000 people gather in a city for a WrestleMania and you see the. You know, only wrestling fans know certain chants, and they and they understand uh-huh. certain lang. It's, it's its own language. And yes. God, while you and I are sitting here doing this interview, I actually got a somebody sent me this via Facebook Messenger. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a guy and girl who I met. Her name's a Shane and Dee. They're from Ireland. Uh-huh. The, the wrestling fans I met probably six, seven years ago. They would come to my they would come to my events that I'd be doing for WrestleMania or SummerSlam or wherever, and they would always just come and say hi. We follow your work. You know, very nice. And over the years, I just we just you know we just became friends. I just I got to see them. They became just people I saw a couple times a year, and I knew. I knew about them to the mm-hmm. point of where they just sent me this video. They got married and, uh-huh. and, and, and their wedding party, some of their closest people had got a hold of me and asked me to film a, a speech. Mm-hmm. And my speech aired and at their wedding and surprised them. And uh, they actually just sent me a video while I was talking to you here, uh-huh. a video from the wedding of the speech coming on of me at the wedding. And, and like, that just kind of sums up what we're talking about. Like it's, it, you meet the people you meet, the the community, yeah, the internet the internet makes things divisive, and everybody's got an opinion, and and negativity can can surge. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's wrestling something that bonds so many people of all different ages, of all different races, backgrounds, religions, whatever. Wrestling, you know, that 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 art form of wrestling is something everybody can appreciate. Yeah, I totally agree, man. And and that's that's a beautiful thing. And and a lot of times that's what it's all about, man. It's been a great escape. Uh, for me from a lot of reality and and even with the inspiration behind the idea of this podcast like again just relating wrestling to reality because it's 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 hand in hand man like I try to tell people like how you just said having our own language like literally I have friends where I could just talk wrestling in a language with them and it's like you would have to know wrestling in order to understand that so it's like it's it's still cool just to be able to relate real life to like a wrestling scenario um so with you let's let you know i'm glad you talked about you know your experiences with chair shot reality i definitely want to talk with you about that because uh i totally would listen to that all the time and i remember when you guys did the final episode i, I was kind of sad about that man because it was like wow i can't believe this is like this is ending like for real this is really it and i remember you guys were doing the countdown of like 
yep, we got the second to last episode, and, and you know, we're gonna do something big, and, and and man, it just it felt good, like knowing, like man, this this show is awesome. I'm really gonna miss this show, but to still see you just up and like you know doing so many different ventures and still you know grinding it out. Uh, what 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 did your experiences with chair shot reality teach you like over the years of doing it? Uh, a little bit of everything, man. It was uh, you know obviously it gave me a place to obviously talk wrestling, but it it, it because it, we that that show was very much formatted like a TV show. It wasn't meant to be a long form podcast. It wasn't meant to be an hour long or two hour long podcast in the traditional sense. It was meant to be you know, three or four, you know, five to seven minute videos. So it was meant to be you talking sound bites, you know? And yeah. um, so it taught me how to, you know, it taught me how to kind of give an opinion, but speaking sound bites, which that became helpful when I got, when I've gotten, you know, I've had, I've had, I've been very blessed to have opportunities to you know, talk mm-hmm. wrestling on NBC sports and, mm-hmm. you know, with Michelle Beadle and such. And in those situations, again, time is critical. So I, you know, I was more comfortable being able to kind of talking a sound bite, give an opinion, make it sound rational and exciting, but again, just keep it tight. So it taught me that. It taught me a lot of things behind the scenes in terms of, again, uh, how to for, you know how to format a show. Okay, we got a director that's got to take actual camera shots. That's, that's the thing. Most people might have not known. Share Shot Rally started. It started and it was being done in, in a basement studio. It was like Wayne's World. But uh-huh. then but then late, or excuse me, then early 2013, it was uh, January 2013, we moved Two Point Park University Studios, which was both Josh and mine's alma mater, and so now we are in an actual studio, and we had a, a dozen or so crew members, and th- th- it was basically live to tape, meaning, you know, there was three or four cameras, and at all the camera shots, all the graphics, all the music, that was all being done live. That was not a case of where we went back into an editing room and had some editing software and we're cutting things up and missing. I mean, there was. Yeah. A, that the editing room was there if we needed it on an emergency for something that needed to be fixed. But mm-hmm. 90% of the time that camera shot that just took Josh or that camera shot that just took me, there was wow. a director behind a, behind a control board doing that. And so like, you know, and that, that's, that's, that's a, that's a lot of uh, communication and in sync that you need to have a lot of people be. So it taught me, uh, you know, uh, how to be a, try to be a leader um, to, to, to deal with that. I mean, so that's, that's the thing. People always ask about chair shot when we were doing it. And I always say the talk and wrestling was the easy part. It was the stuff you didn't see. It was the, um, yeah. it was the managing 12 people behind the scenes and their schedules and, you know, they're all students. So you got to balance with their, with their, their school life. And then, um, you know, making sure, you know, just all the behind the scenes, that was the most um, taxing of it all. The, the, the talk, the, the, the talking wrestling, I, I could do that, you know, in my sleep. It was, it was the other parts that were, uh, that were the real challenges, but it was a great experience. I had a great time. We, you know, we did. And, and, you know, I always get, I appreciate what people always say, Oh, I miss it. When's it going to come back? And, you know, we, um, you know, it just, it got to a point, Josh was in a different state. You know, I was getting busy and busy with so many other ventures, some wrestling, some other, um, you know, the studio was getting ready to change. So we weren't going to have the studio at the same time that would, that fit our production schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it just, it kind of, a lot of things kind of aligns that it said to me, like, all right, it's time to go. And I'd rather me pull the plug than somebody else pull the plug. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. You know, it was it was great. It it it, 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 it I don't I don't know what map, but it put me on some map. Of, <laughs> you know, and I appreciate it the time. Yeah, and and it's good because I noticed there that you also said that you pulled the plug. So that it's always good when you get to end something that you you know started. So it's it's always a great note when you can go out on your own terms with that. And uh, I mean, you know, just in that like that that's that's saying hard work within its own right. Just in 10 years of, you know, and like you said, it's 
the wrestling part's easy. Uh, and I learned that even with podcasting. It's like yeah. the wrestling part is easy, yeah, because you can talk this all day. It's it's just you know writing out scripts or creating your questions and like you know knowing your research on who you're about to interview or or like you said just uh, the editing. You know, um, my producer who's <laughs> doing the editing for this right now can attest to that. It's it's tough work, man, especially. If you're by yourself, dare I say, doing all of this by yourself, yet along with the crew of people and, and just, you know, making sure they have the time to do, you know, a team effort of things, man. Um, what would you say, you know, also to someone out there, like whether it's them by themselves or whether they have a crew of people, um, the dedication behind, you know, creating successful production in in the world of media, because it's it's not an easy thing when you start something and you're working, to, you see big things for it and you're working, putting in the work for it. But, you know, of course, things don't come overnight. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So you're always literally chipping and chirping and, and you're making your connections, building your contacts, as you mentioned. And to where eventually some people may not necessarily always want to stick around for the hard work, but you do have mm -hmm. that selected few who really stay with you through thick and thin, through hard times and good times and great times. Uh, what what do you what advice do you give those type of people out there who are probably struggling to to keep going on in their hard work like that? Well, you do got to keep at it. That, that's that, and you're right. The, the whole Rome is not building a day thing, and that's 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 uh, the piece of advice I can always give is that um you know people that want to have their podcast be be uh, listened to or watched by a good amount of people and make a difference, it, it does not happen overnight. You know, uh, you know again, like I said, we started Chair Shot really every week it was it was the first week of uh, 2010 and i mean we did that every week until um december of 2017 or no 2018 mm -hmm. december of 2018 oh god man um <laughs> you know it, it takes time it, it, it you you have to be there consistently every week in order to get that audience to find you and then and then to believe and stay with you um so it doesn't happen overnight you got to stay with it even if you're not seeing huge spikes in numbers right away. You just got to stay with it. And it's a gradual build. Unless you are doing a podcast with, uh, you know, unless you're doing a podcast with Stone Cold Steve Austin or Jericho or Jim Ross or somebody on that elite level in the business, you're not going to see overnight insane numbers. It just doesn't happen that way. You have to, you just have to build, uh, you have to build it. Um, so I tell people, stay with it, stay dedicated, stay, stay true to it. And, and yeah, you, you got to find, um, you got to find people that are as, as passionate as you are, their skills can be different. I mean, maybe their skill is editing, maybe their skill is to writing, whatever the case may be. But you got to find people that are as passionate as you are because uh, it don't work if uh, if you're in that group pot, if you're in that group project and, and then the whole group just has you doing all the homework. You know, it don't work yeah. that. Way. You got to have people that are as, as energetic and that are getting something out of it too. Yes. You know, you know, you might be wanting to get you know your name out there in the wrestling world, talking wrestling and opinions, but you know, your producer or the people behind the scenes they might be trying to craft their editing skills because they want to go into production for music or for, or for movies or whatever. So everybody has to be getting something out of it in order to keep it, in order, in order to keep it good for everybody. Oh man, that is awesome advice. And, and definitely, uh, I take that. Uh, I know anybody and everybody out there listening, same thing to you, man. That's, I, I love to do that for my listeners, keep them encouraged. Uh, I try to make every show different with just something relatable to those guys because everybody's yeah. got something they want to work at. So Yeah, and, and, the, and the best case scenario, that's how it starts. I mean, and that's how it kind of started. I mean, everybody was getting something out of it. You know, the, the students were getting were getting real-world experience as a crew, you know, everybody, you know, and then, you know, we started getting paid. And now, so now it becomes a really good situation. Now it's like, all right, well, we're all, we're all getting these personal things out of it. Hey, we're all also getting money out of this. So now it becomes a, 
You know, I mean, I'd say when ShareShot was at its peak was 2013, 2014, we were making as much money as ever out of it. And we had a full-blown crew who was, you know, we placed four or five people in that one year into the real world getting jobs for major television uh, gigs. So, like, that was a peak because everybody was getting something out of it. I was, you know, they were, the crew was getting what they needed to get in the world uh, of media. I was getting my wrestling views out there and I was getting paid. Josh was getting his views. Josh was getting paid. And I mean, that's, and that's, that's what you work for is for that. Yes, that is awesome, man. So I, I got a, probably a couple more uh, quick questions for you, man. And like I said, we don't want to hold you long, man, because we know you're a busy man. And so, yeah, I do. I do got to run here in a couple minutes. <laughs> um, so real quick, um, Let's ask, uh, you know, because you've worked with a lot of people, so I would love to know, like, what, who have been, just over the years and in, in the many years you have done what you've done, who have been some of your favorite uh, wrestlers, promoters, uh, managers, anything, like, anyone like that? Who have been some of your favorite people uh, to work with that you, you know, just enjoyed working with and learning from in the wrestling business? Uh, one of the best wrestlers, uh, actually, I should say entertainers, his name's RJ City. He's out of Toronto. RJ does a lot of work. You might see him a lot with David Arquette. Um, RJ has done a lot of a lot of T. He's you know he was on Nickelodeon in Canada. He was on. Um, he, he's just he's he's so well rounded. The fact that he he has so much talent. He's one of the funniest people and one of the most. If you follow him on Twitter at RJ, uh, what's his handle? He's one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so clever. Um, at RJ City One, the number one. Okay. Um, okay. He's, He's a blast. You know, he I, before Wardlow, I was with RJ City for a couple of years and we had a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just so clever. Uh, you know, promoter wise, um, you know, David Hero out of Milwaukee. David's been kind of like kind of like a big brother to me. He's really, um, you know, he, he's truly connected and plugged into the business, um, you know, and, and he's given me a lot of advice about how to navigate the waters and how to handle things. And he's a really good guy, stand up guy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, a lot of wrestlers have been great. I mean, I, you know, from, in terms of the big names that people know, you know, like I said, Matt Hardy's been is is wonderful. Um, yeah. Matt, you know, a lot of times in wrestling, you, you meet a lot of contacts and acquaintances and what have you. But you know, Matt's somebody I would truly say as a friend. You know, I actually I've one of my favorite pictures ever is him holding my my daughter when she was very young, when she was first born. Um, you know, so I, you know, he's Matt Hardy's a great person. Tommy Dreamer, a great person. Um, and I've learned from both of them and they've both been very good about giving back to me. Uh, and there's other people who like, I'm, I'm definitely not like quote unquote f- necessarily friends with, uh-huh. but I've got, I've got an experience with, and I've learned, I, I spent, I've spent, I spent a lot of time in 2015, uh, with Vince Russo and, you know, had him here in Pittsburgh. He did share shot. And then we went out to San Francisco and did stuff out in, San, in the Bay area. And like, you know, Vince is a, you know, Vince is a controversial guy and, yeah. uh, you know, we're not buddy, buddy, you know, sending Christmas cards or anything like that. But like, I learned a lot from him in that year or so that we worked together. Um, even if I don't necessarily agree or, or apply what I learned from him, it's mm-hmm. just good to know, it's just good to know, okay, this is how he thinks. This is how he sees the business. And that's, that's valuable to, to, to see that and understand that. So, you know, I've had experiences like that, that I think have been tremendous. Uh, you know, I've sat and done these kind of chats with Jim Ross and man, you talk about a guy to pick brains with. That's, that's, that's one right there. You, you, <laughs> oh yeah. You, you get smart just sitting sitting on the bar stool next to him, um, and uh, you know so there's that. You know there's been a lot of people. I mean, uh, watching people like I said, Britt Baker come up. Britt, you know she's a uh, Britt's always you know <laughs> she's always playing that sassy character now and, and that doctor. But she's um, yeah. you know she's 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 a great person. She deserves. She's a hard 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 worker. Deserves everything she's gonna get. Yes. Um, a lot of people, you know, there's a guy here in Pittsburgh named Jimmy Vegas. He's a vet. You know, Jimmy's been a great guy. A guy named CJ Sensation, who's a referee. You know, a lot of people that have helped me out. Uh, a guy named Super Hentai. Uh, actually, you know, a little fun fact, you know, when in, 
when getting prepared to do certain things, whether it's taking twist of fates from Hardy or doing certain physical things, yes. uh, guys like super hentai. Some of these guys are guys I call upon and say, Hey, can we hop in the ring at the wrestling school down the street? Can we, can we do some training? You know? And, uh, they've been very gracious. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many, and I believe so many other names off, but I've been, I've just been blessed to meet so many people and work with so many people. And uh, yeah, I mean, but like I said, you know, follow RJ City at RJ City yeah. One. You'll, you'll laugh your ass off at him. <laughs> I definitely would be sure to do that, man. And um, again, we, we here at the Life's a Botch podcast, man, we thank you yeah. so much for your time. Thank you for just taking time out of your day, man, just to come show love over here, man, and, and just let, let the people get to know you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they, much like myself, have enjoyed your, long resume and experience and stories with people, man. And, uh, man, continue to just keep pushing, man. Uh, we know it's tough times right now, but we, we thank you for everything that you do. And, uh, man, you, you, everybody who comes on this show is always family to me. So I thank you guys, you know, for just taking that time out, man. Go ahead and tell people where they can follow you, where they can find you and interact with you. Yeah. Hit me up on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram at Justin Labar. And, uh, Everything I do, whether it's with Wrestling Inc. or IWC Wrestling or whatever, everything's on there. So uh, at Justin LeBar, hit the follow button. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, that's how we do it here on the Life's a Botch podcast. As always, be sure you follow us, all things Life's a Botch podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And uh, you already know what time it is, guys. You have officially been botched. Peace.